So, um, as I've alluded to in our spiritual health series, we come today to think about uh, the disciplines of abstinence. Uh, this is the practice of abstaining, uh, that is self-denial. Uh, for the sake of our souls, uh, we intentionally say no to some things. Uh, well, um, for many Christians in our day, uh, as our survey results indicated, uh, the disciplines of abstinence have fallen into disuse. Uh, intentional abstinence is, is not really part of our normal, everyday Christian discipleship. Um, numerous ways in which we could illustrate this, but uh, let me give you one example. Uh, here's a question. Uh, when was the last time that you observed Lent? Uh, Lent, of course, is the six weeks period leading up to Easter. And in Lent, uh, Christians throughout the ages and in various traditions have prepared themselves uh, to observe the solemn occasion of Christ's death, but also to celebrate his resurrection. But they prepared themselves through this six week period through uh, fasting or giving up or abstaining from something. And yet uh, Lent is not part of our church calendar, is it, here at Cherrybrook Presbyterian? And Lent certainly isn't on my radar either. So uh, why have the disciplines of abstinence fallen into disuse? Um, maybe it's part of a reaction we have against, uh, you know, monasticism. This uh, we look back on Christians from past eras and people who go into monasteries and convents and we think, oh, that's a bit wild. That's a bit out of hand, a bit extreme. Um, maybe we rightly react against uh, this joyless dour asceticism, which has been typical of some Christian traditions. So that may be part of the explanation as to why these are not on our radar, the sort of the negative aspect. Um, another aspect of that is maybe uh, the, the culture of our age. And maybe we've been molded by the, the consumer spirit of our age. Uh, think about it. Uh, the air we breathe in our modern Western society encourages us to acquire and to consume. Uh, there's not much emphasis on saying no, but very much on saying yes. And so the prospect of saying no, uh, it's not very appealing and it cuts against the grain. Uh, yet I would like to show you this morning that the disciplines of abstinence have a wonderfully positive role uh, in our Christian lives. Uh, whilst they may not on initial appearances seem particularly attractive, uh, actually, they lead to joy and they lead to peace, inner peace. And what they do is this. Uh, they facilitate this closer, more joyful walk with God and a deeper experience of his life and his power. Let me give you a roadmap of uh, where we'll go in our time together this morning. Uh, firstly, we're going to think about uh, the purpose of the disciplines of abstinence. Uh, why are they important? for the health of our spiritual lives. Uh, secondly, then we'll look at the practice of the disciplines of abstinence. And due to the constraints on time, uh, we're only going to focus on one area this morning, as I've said, uh, fasting. But the disciplines of abstinence are far wider than just fasting. Uh, let me give you a little bit of a taster. And you can read about more about this in the uh, chapter nine of that article I sent around. Uh, just to give you that broader perspective, uh, other practices of the disciplines of absence are these. The practice 
of solitude and silence. Because there we are saying no to our desire for people and for noise. Another one, uh, the practice of frugality and simplicity. Because there we are saying no to our desire uh, for self-indulgent extravagance. Uh, the practice of sexual self-control. For there we are regulating our sexual desires. Uh, the practice of secrecy. For there we are saying no to our craving for the approval of others. Also the practice of sacrifice. Uh, maybe we give up basic items necessary for living as part of our Christian discipleship. So um, please do reflect further on those. That article I've sent around, uh, I commend it to you. But uh, let's keep motoring because God has given us uh, these desires and we need to reflect together on uh, what it is like uh, to live the Christian life. So let's focus, focus firstly then on the purpose of the disciplines of abstinence. Uh, God has made us with desires and desires are part of God's good design for us. Uh, he's given us bodies uh, with senses and with appetites. Uh, and our desires, our senses and appetites, they enables us to experience the joy of God's world. Uh, we are designed to savour the flavours of food. Uh, we're designed, we're made to relish the ecstasy of sex. We're designed to find satisfaction in work and in relationships. And yet, as a result of humanity's rebellion against God, uh, the world is, is disordered and so are we. You see, our desires no longer function perfectly as they should. Our desires have become distorted and disordered. Our desire for food easily morphs into gluttony. Our desire for sex may mutate into lust. Our desire for praise may deteriorate into a craving for the approval of others. Uh, tragically, good desires become bad desires when they start to master us. Instead of our desires serving our good, they start to enslave us and they start to control us in destructive ways. Uh, yet through Christ, uh, God is wonderfully redeeming and he's restoring us. And a key part of this transformative work happens at the level of our desires. And we start to realize that although something may not be wrong in and of itself, uh, if it rules us, it's actually going to destroy us, whether it be food or sex or anything else. Uh, the Apostle Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Uh, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Uh, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So you see, rather than being ruled by our desires, Christian growth involves reigning in our desires. Uh, we take steps to keep them in check. 
Uh, we are careful not to allow them to master us. Uh, we learn self-control to counter otherwise domineering desires. Uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 4 again from our reading. Uh, God has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Uh, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control. There it is, self-control. So uh, this is why the disciplines of abstinence are a vital part of spiritual health. Uh, in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard, which I've commended to you, he offers this insight and I quote, in the disciplines of abstinence, we abstain to some degree and for some time from the satisfaction of what we generally regard as normal, legitimate desires. Uh, normal desires include our basic drives our, or motivations, such as those for food, uh, for sleep, for bodily activity, for companionship, curiosity, uh, sex, our desire for convenience, for comfort, material security, reputation or fame. Uh, so you see, the disciplines of abstinence help us to to enjoy and to use God's gifts in a proportionate life-giving way. Uh, the disciplines help us assist us in keeping our, our desires in their proper orbit. Now then, it's important to be clear here, uh, we are not talking about denial. Uh, we are talking about denial for a while, uh, not rejection forever. Uh, this is not a call to asceticism, where we uh, live in seclusion. Uh, wearing loose-fitting 70s clothing and sustaining ourselves on a diet of gruel. Uh, whilst we don't want to be ruled by desires, the aim is not to completely suppress our desires. Uh, that would be falling off the other side of the horse. No, the goal is an enjoyment of God's good gifts as he intended. Now, in the New Testament, uh, we see Timothy writing to some Christians who had been hoodwinked into harsh asceticism and this is what he had to say to them on timothy 4 verse 2 uh, such teachings uh, these teachings of asceticism come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which god created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth for, every, for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. And now then, uh, it may be particularly timely of us to put uh, the disciplines of abstinence on the agenda as we come out of lockdown. Uh, many of us have coped with the stresses of lockdown through uh, various forms of self-medication. Uh, it could be through comfort eating, it could be through alcohol, uh, through binge TV, convulsive shopping, or a whole uh, view of a range of different ways. Uh, whatever it be, 
Uh, lockdown for many has been the petri dish for good desires morphing into controlling desires. And it may, may well be time that we rein some of these desires in. So a couple of questions for your own self-reflection this morning. Uh, what good gifts of God am I inclined to depend on in an unhealthy way? Uh, put it another way, uh, in what areas of my life have my desires started to exert an unhealthy level of control over me? Okay, questions for reflection. So uh, we've considered firstly then the purpose of the disciplines of abstinence. Let's move on to think about their practice, uh, particularly in relation to fasting. Uh, fasting is out of vogue in the modern day church. Uh, however, when we look closely at Jesus' teaching, it actually becomes clear that Jesus assumes that fasting would be a standard part of his followers' discipleship. At Matthew 6, verse 16, for example, he says this, when you fast, he doesn't say if you fast, but he says when. He assumes that we will be doing it. Now, in fasting, uh, what we're doing is we're abstaining in some significant way, usually from food or drink, although it may be uh, other things as well. Uh, some people fast from TV or social media. Uh, some people fast from alcohol. Uh, if it is a fast from food, then normally uh, we would continue to drink water. Uh, it's also worth saying that fasting from food uh, is not wise for everybody. Uh, some people do have medical conditions where uh, fasting would actually be inadvisable. Uh, Christian fasting is different to secular fasting. You see, Christian fasting is far more than just uh, stoic self-denial. It has a positive spiritual purpose. What we do is we disengage from food or from, for drink, or from drink to then engage more closely with God and the world. So we disengage, but we also engage as a positive purpose. So uh, how does fasting benefit us spiritually? Uh, how does fasting bring us close to God? In our remaining time, we're going to look at six ways in which fasting blesses and enriches our spiritual lives. So firstly, uh, fasting reveals our true self to us. Uh, when we fast, uh, we learn actually a lot about ourselves very quickly. Let me give you a quote from uh, Justin Early's book, The Common Rule, which I commended to you earlier. He says this, uh, fasting exposes the self because you can't use food or drink to dull your desires, to numb your feelings, or to make you feel satisfied or happy. Uh, when I fast, I see that deep down, I'm a weak, impatient, angry person who medicates life with food and drink. This is painful to confront, yet to live without fasting is to live without knowing who I truly am. That's very insightful. You see, fasting is not flattering. Uh, it strips away our protective shell and it actually exposes our desires for what they are. Uh, this actually complements beautifully what we were looking at in our last spiritual health talk. Uh, we saw that uh, self-knowledge was vital 
if we are to grow into our true self under God. We need to be able to clearly see the parts of self that are false and that need to change. And fasting helps us in that process. Uh, fasting humbles us and it shows us ourselves more as we truly are. It reveals what needs to change with God's help. Let's keep going and thinking about the benefits. Uh, a second way in which uh, Christian fasting brings us close to God is through prayer. Now, fasting and prayer uh, should go together. Remember, in Christian fasting, uh, we don't just disengage, we also engage. Uh, we don't just disengage from food, but we also engage with God. And the question is, what will we do uh, with the time slots which we would have otherwise been eating in? Uh, if we just continue on with normal life activities, then actually uh, we're missing a rich opportunity. Uh, how much better to repurpose mealtimes into prayer times? Uh, rather than eating, we pray. Uh, now, then, uh, speaking personally, 24-hour uh, fasts were more part of my regular practice during my late teen years and throughout my 20s, uh, somewhat into my 30s. But it's something that's fallen off the radar uh, since then, and it's something I want to reinstitute. But our fasts don't have to be uh, 24 hours in duration. Actually, whilst I was preparing uh, this talk, uh, it got to lunchtime and I suddenly thought, hang on a minute, uh, why don't I fast uh, for this lunchtime? I'll skip lunch. That'll be my fast. But then I thought further as I was preparing this, I was thinking, how can I use that time to positively engage with God? So I thought, I know I'll go for a walk and I'll take my prayer cards with me and I'll use them uh, to pray and to engage with God. And actually, uh, it was a wonderfully rich time. Uh, I was delighted that actually in the end I'd put aside my time to eat to engage with God. And it was really wonderful uh, to walk along a beautiful bush track, have my prayer cards and to reflect and to pray to God and to engage with him, which I wouldn't otherwise have done. So there's an example. It doesn't have to be 24 hours. It can be a meal. It can be just one meal to start with where we then engage with God. Let's keep going. Uh, thirdly, then, fasting. Another benefit is it strengthens our spiritual stamina and our general self-discipline. And I've actually noticed this in my own life uh, when I have fasted. Uh, there is this trickle-down effect. You see, fasting uh, teaches self-control, uh, which then flows out into other areas of our lives. If you like, uh, fasting acts like the fitness trainer of our soul. The New Testament uses the metaphor of uh, an athlete in training as an illustration of the Christian life. Uh, for example, 1 Corinthians 9. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to gain a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So you see, uh, we take our body and our desires and our appetites in hand. Uh, fasting is a form of strict training. <laughs> fasting reduces the flab, uh, not physical flab, although it may well do that, but the spiritual flab. 
Uh, fasting knits the inner fiber and fortitude of our soul. Uh, physical trainers talk about building up core body strength, but fasting builds up our core spiritual soul strength. As we learn to endure deprivations, we should have greater resources to weather the hardships and the sufferings of life. Uh, we become more trained in self-discipline. Uh, in my own experience, I found that um, this to be definitely the case. Uh, I found that I go, to, I say, hey, if I can say no to food for 24 hours, then how much more easy is it to say, actually, I'm going to set aside 10 minutes each day to pray? You see, it helps us to develop that general art of self-discipline, which flows out into other areas of our life. OK, let's keep going. Fourthly, uh, fasting facilitates gratitude to God. Now, here again, another wonderful overlap with what we've been looking at recently. A couple of weeks ago in our COVID and thankfulness sermon, we thought about the importance of gratitude. Uh, our souls, if you recall, they thrive on gratitude. And fasting definitely and dramatically helps us with our thankfulness. I remember one 24-hour fast I did where I actually ended the fast at midnight. And so I decided that I would have a celebratory meal. Bit of a late time to eat, but I decided I would have a, a celebratory meal after midnight. And believe me, when I sat down to eat that food, I started with grace. And my grace before a meal has never been more heartfelt. I can assure you of that. Uh, we know that the arch enemy of gratitude, it's presumption and it's this spirit of entitlement. And really, uh, this is never more evident in our attitude to food. Uh, which of us have ever lived through a famine? famine? We take it for granted that we can simply walk into a store and buy almost any food type we like. Uh, we may give thanks to God at the beginning of the meal, but if we're honest, our thankfulness is often rather half-hearted. If, particularly if we're feeling hungry, our mind is not so much focused on thanking, but rather starting to eat. Well, maybe it's just me. But you see, when we fast, we suddenly see through, through different lenses. We see food for what it truly is. It's this wonderful good gift from a generous God. And it's a, his blessing to enrich our lives. And we actually feel that at, at a visceral heart level. And our gratitude is more truly heartfelt. Let's keep going. Uh, two final benefits. Fifthly, then, fasting uh, recalibrates our posture uh, to others and to the world. You see, as we train ourselves to say no to self, it also empowers us to say yes to others. Uh, fasting frees up our headspace so that we can recalibrate ourselves to the world around us. We actually have the space to reflect on uh, those important questions. What needs do I see around me? How can I serve those around me? Uh, let me give you another quote from Justin Early in his book, uh, The Common Rule. Uh, he has this to share from his own experience. Uh, Slowly but surely, my posture in relation to the world is recalibrated. I'm not here to get what I want. I'm here to love other people. Often when I come home in the evenings, I am consumed with what our dinner plans are. But when I'm fasting, a monumental switch happens. I come home not expecting to eat, 
the most remarkable part is that I'm, I'm actually happier that way because all along I've been thinking that food makes me happy. But now I see that only love does that. And when that switch happens, ironically, one of my favorite things to do is to cook for other people when I'm fasting. Uh, so building on that and sixthly and finally, that fasting helps us appreciate our relationship with God so much more. See, in the quote that I just gave you from Justin Early, uh, he talks about a monumental switch. Uh, to quote him again, he says, all along, I've been thinking that food makes me happy. But now I see more clearly that only love does. And I think that's incredibly insightful and important. And I'm wondering if that helps us to understand those words uttered by Jesus when he had fasted 40 days in the desert. Uh, in response to Satan's enticement for him to use his power to turn stones into bread, what does he say? Matthew 4, verse 4. It is written that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What does he mean? Well, to put it another way, I think he's saying it's not food that makes us truly happy, but it's actually love, the love of God, the word that comes from the mouth of God. And this was a truth that is not just written. Uh, Jesus could testify to it from his experience. Uh, he had just denied himself bread for 40 days. And yet in that time, he had experienced the sustaining joy of close communion with the father. So what we're seeing here is one of those counterintuitive spiritual laws of the kingdom. There is true life in true emptiness. Uh, fasting from food gives us the opportunity to feast on the Lord. The way of emptying ourselves is the way to fullness of self. I'm going to pray for us and then I'll open up for comments and questions. Heavenly Father, as we've reflected on the benefits and the wisdom of this discipline of absence this morning of fasting, uh, we see that in many ways it makes so much sense. Uh, it helps us keep the desires which you've given us, which are good desires in check and to use them in a healthy way and to appreciate your world and our relationship with you in a deeper way. So please, we pray, help us all to grow in this discipline such that it increases our joy and our peace and our inner growth and our relationship with you. Amen.